With great mojo comes great responsibility. Mojo 5 Mojo 5 We will make America great again. Sam Sorbo. Well, hi there. Welcome to the Sam Sorbo Show. I'm joined now by an old friend who uh, is now embarking on a new initiative about vaccine passports. This is something that you definitely want to be uh, tuned into because it will affect you. It is coming to a neighborhood near you. My guest is Reggie Littlejohn. She's been at the forefront of the fight about uh, the China's one-child policy. She's a pro-rights activist. Um, She's also a graduate of Yale Law School, but we're not going to hold that against her. Reggie Littlejohn, welcome to the program. (laughs) Thanks, Sam. I appreciate that. Nowadays, with what's coming out of Yale, I don't know. It makes my head spin, frankly. Um, But it's so good to have you here and to know that you're in this fight. So we're talking about primarily, and then we'll get into all the other fun stuff, too. um, The vaccine passport, which now I just heard New York has implemented. Basically, Um, you have to show proof of vaccination in order to eat in certain restaurants. This is this is happening in many parts of Europe, New York, California, um, and it's just a constantly changing landscape. But vaccine passports are on a roll, and it is very frightening because the platform used by the vaccine passport is the same digital platform as used by China, the Chinese Communist Party and the China social credit system. So I just want to make sure that people understand at the outset, we are not anti-vaxxers. Um, there are people that I love and respect who've had the vaccine, who are grateful for it. And then on the opposite end of the, the uh, spectrum, there are people I love and respect who think that the vaccines are downright dangerous. We're not taking a, p- a p- uh, position on that. What we're saying is that the digital vaccine passport is extremely dangerous because it, in the wrong hands, it can be used to end virtually all the freedoms that we have. Well, and, and the whole thing, the whole conversation has, is fraught with danger. And I, I made the mistake when we were chatting right before we went to showtime um, to talk about sort of the, the, the mandated vaccine, which is not what we're talking about. But I've, I've seen people um, tweet, you know, it's enough already. We gave them the opportunity. They, had, they could volunteer, but now it's too late. Now we're just going to have to force it on them. We'll have to hold them down and vaccinate them. And that's, I mean, we... <laughs> We went through World War II with this kind of a thing, and we got out of World War II and we instituted the Nuremberg Code. And now it seems like we're just ignoring uh, past history. And, of course, uh, the old adage stands true. If you refuse to learn history, you will be made to repeat it. Um, This really smacks the vaccine passport smacks of the gold star. Yeah, Sam, this is the thing is that. It is incredibly divisive from both sides, okay? So there are people who have been vaccinated who are very afraid of people who are unvaccinated. And I saw somebody on the YouTube just today, I think it was, saying, you know, uh, if you're not vaccinated, that's because you're a selfish person. And so, uh, you know, you need to get vaccinated for the sake of everybody around you. And then there are other people on the other side, the people who are unvaccinated, who are afraid of people who are vaccinated because there's people out there, you know, on the internet saying that people who are vaccinated are shedding spike proteins that can, you know, hurt people who are unvaccinated. I mean, so, so, so from both sides, there is a fear that is coming within us that is dividing us as a society and dividing us even as families and friends. And it's, it's, it's extremely destructive. 
And the, and you you see that the passports might actually contribute to that? Oh, well, see, this is this is the thing. Let, let me explain why we are sounding the alarm here. All right. The, the, the vaccine passport, according to tech experts, I'm not a tech, ex, tech expert, but Naomi Wolf is somebody who's from the left and she's a tech expert. And she's the main first person that was was saying, you know, we've got to stop this because it's like the last step towards totalitarianism. OK, she was an advisor to, to Clinton and she's she identifies as a lefty. Um, and then Jay Valentine um, is sort of a digital friend of mine. I met him recently, but he designed the uh, fraud detection software for eBay. And he is saying the same thing. And what they're both saying is that all the functionality that you have on the China social credit system that can basically hold individuals and the entire population without any rights would be very easy within a matter of minutes to attach to this digital vaccine passport. So I'm not talking about a piece of paper that says I've been vaccinated. I'm talking about something that's on your phone. Um, and so what I'd like to do is explain this, the China social credit system. Yes. Okay. Okay. Cause that's sort of the next step. All right. In China, the Chinese communist party is, is, has basically taken away the rights of the Chinese people who are, are the first victims of the Chinese communist party. And one of the main ways that they're doing this is through this, this social credit system and it's on their phone. Right. And what it does is, they are surveilled in every aspect of their lives, similar actually to the way that we are surveilled, but the difference is that it's all put together in one place to come up with a score about whether they are a reliable communist citizen. So what they pull together is a, a person's, of course, geolocation, and our phones are, are tracking where we are, um, the facial recognition, their, their, their social media posts, their spending history, their credit cards, their bank accounts, their place of employment, their place of, of, of residence, and, they, and, and their criminal history the, and their medical history. The groups that they frequent, the people that they speak to. Oh, uh, yes. Of yes. All of their, you know, the, the plays that they go to see, uh, right. you know, That's wh- right. what they buy at the, at the supermarket, what they buy, right? What they buy. So, and, and what you're saying is, so it's, it's just... We have that surveillance here, right? Nordstrom knows when I visit their site and then all of a sudden it pops up on Facebook, the thing that I was looking at. I had a friend who went shopping with an, with someone else. They went for, for her, her other friend to a car dealership and all of a sudden my friend was getting ads for those cars, that particular type of car on her own Facebook, which is, you know, it's, it's eerie, right? But here's where it goes off the rails, because what Reggie, my guest, is pointing out is this is the government that is now putting putting a, an umbrella over all of this and taking all of this in and then issuing a social score, issuing a score. And then that score unlocks. It's like a video game. It's like it unlocks prizes for you or punishments for that matter. Right. Well, that, that, that's exactly right. And see, this is the thing. In the, the in, like you said, in the United States, we are being surveilled all the time. I heard years ago that my phone was listening to me and I thought I would just test it out. So I, I said something to the phone that I had never said before out loud. I said to the phone, red factor canaries. Now, a red factor canary is a canary that's red. Okay, it's called a red factor canary. I just said it. I didn't do a search, just said it. 
and then immediately started getting advertisements online for Red Factor Canaries. So it's clear that 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 our phones are listening to us. Um, so we're so we're being surveilled in all kinds of ways. But the thing is, Sam, that your friend who got the car the, the, the car um, ads when she went with her friend to look at those cars, the company that was selling her the car ads is not connected to her right. social media posts, right? And it's not connected to her bank account. Right. So, See, and- just- Right. In the United States, they are still somewhat independent. Exactly. In communist China, they're all controlled by the government. And then the government can say, you, you can buy this car or you may not buy this car. You can purchase the Red Canary or maybe you can't. And, and then it goes even farther. You will get the promotion or you won't get the promotion. That's right. Okay. So, and, and so, right. So if you have a high score, um, then, then you can lead what le- looks like a normal life, but you are not free because as soon as you say anything critical um, on social media or even to your phone, I mean, you know, if you, if you have a, a conversation with a friend and you say something critical, Xi Jinping, you can all of a sudden find that your score has plummeted, and then you will not be able you will you will not be able to get a passport, or you might have it confiscated. You will not be able to to buy, to to um to borrow money to buy a home. Your kids will not be able to get into the good school. You could lose your job, and then if you do something. Um, outrageous by the standards of the Co- Chinese Communist Party, like actually publish a a, a, a meme mocking uh, the government yeah. or something like that, like a you, Winnie the Pooh meme, <laughs> right? Right. You can be disappeared because they because of the um, of the uh, the facial recognition and the geolocation. But but the intermediate step is because these social credit scores are tied to your bank account. And to your credit cards, they can just, and they have a cashless society, which I oppose. We must not go to a cashless society because what that does is if it's in the wrong hands, our, our access to our cat, to our money can get, get cut off. Like in China, they can cut off your access to your bank account. They can cut off your, your access to your, your um, credit cards. How are you going to buy food? You know, it's like a, it's like a terrible science fiction movie. I mean, I, I hate to, I'm not making light of it, but that's, it's, it's sort of, it's oppressive. Obviously it is oppressive. That's the whole point of it. Right. So, um, so, so we were talking about the vaccine passports, which is something, first of all, how can people get involved in your efforts to curtail any, any use of the, of the vaccine passport? We need to stand up right now because we need to show that there is opposition because otherwise these different states um, are, are just rolling over their, their citizens. Like New York just said, uh, the government Cuomo just said, you have to have, show proof of vaccination, you know, to, to go, to go, to go into an, an inside establishment. Um, right. You know, and, and if we don't stand up now, they're, they're all, then the vaccine passports are going to be here and that's going to be, then it's going to be very hard or very, almost impossible to dissent because once you dissent, like in China, you, you, you utter one dissenting word and your, your credit cards can get cut off, whatever your bank account is cut off. And if you do too much, you can be disappeared. This is very dangerous if, if it could get into the wrong hands. So what I'm asking everybody to do is to go onto this website. We're launching um, this Thursday, but you're, you're getting it ahead of time. So people can come ahead of time onto our website. It's called Stop Vax passports.org stop vax stop vax passports.org and you can read the letter that on thursday we're going to be sending to president biden and to a whole lot of other folks asking them to, to stop these digital passports and you can sign a petition 
to stop them. We have about 1,500 signatures right now, and I'd love to have 15,000. The more that we have, the more we can go to um, decision makers and say, "You, this is against the will of the people. You need to not do this. It's also against the law. You you cannot require that. It's called discrimination. We We fought a war over it. It's against the law to discriminate against people. I don't care what your excuse is. Right? Well, yeah, discrimination is wrong, but what they're doing is they are saying that um, that this is an emergency uh, and that and because of the emergency that they have to use uh, emergency uh, measures, measures that justify. And, and the thing is, you know, I, I think that whether or not this is emergent, an emergency is, is debatable. Um, in other words, not, not whether it's an emergency, but whether it rises to the level of a pandemic. So, you know, the level of a pandemic, it, you know, there's a certain legal de- definition of that. Certain well, it's not a pandemic anymore because it's only pandemic in certain areas. Right. So you Pandemic think- means it's pan, like everywhere. Right. This is no longer that. <laughs> but they're, but they're continuing they're continuing to use these emergency use powers and yes. what that does is it's this is another thing Sam is 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 that's very similar to China in the United States we our, our founders believed and we continue to believe uh, that we are created by God in His image and that we have certain unalienable rights that the government has has no business trying to take away from us, including life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. And those are rights that the government is not allowed to take away. Whereas in China, the Chinese Communist Party does not believe in God. They really more or less believe that they are God and that they confer rights so that if they do not confer a right on a person, that person does not have a right. And that's what the vaccine passport does also. It's like, you know, in the beginning, it was two weeks to stop the spread. And then, I mean, how long ago was that? You know, I've lost track of, of the of the months a year and a half a year a year and a half that was a year and a half ago and they're still parceling out our freedoms you know uh like you, you know but reggie you can- only because we are going along with it only because we are not saying no it's time i'm done and and until we start to do that they will continue and that's why there's more talk of masking kids kids who are basically i mean basically you can say kids are completely unaffected by covid um, it's only they're 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 highly affected to all the regulations that they're putting on the kids, um, you know, and and it goes on from there. So I I want to talk to you about your efforts in China. You have another initiative that has to do with the Olympics in China, which I want to get to. We're going to take a quick break, and when we come back with Reggie uh, on the second part of this interview, we'll be talking about some other things that have to do with China. We're going to leave it right here because otherwise YouTube's going to ban this video. Well, they'll probably ban it anyway. Uh, <laughs> my guest is Reggie Littlejohn. Uh, stopvaxpassports.org is the website, and you should go there, sign her petition, and, um, hey, get in the fight. Uh, this is uh, Sam Sorbo, your host. We're going to talk about how you can also stand up for your rights and for liberty and to that end, I'm bringing on a very special guest, a woman who is a hero in my mind, Mary Magdalene Mosier. She's a 59-year-old professional artist and a native Wisconsinite, she's head. She has owned and operated her business, Mary Magdalene's Temple of Arts in Kenosha, Wisconsin, since 1994. And um, she has an incredible story that got her arrested 
but for all the right reasons, Mary Magdalene, thank you so much for joining me on the Sam Sorbo show. Thank you so much for inviting me. Um, Yes, it was a, it was a wild story. (laughs) Last May 5th, 2020, I tried to attend a noticed public meeting of the Kenosha County board and uh, it was not a virtual meeting. Uh, All 23 of our supervisors were physically present, as was all the attendant staff. And I was the only person who was trying to get into this meeting. And they arrested me and threw me up against the wall, handcuffed me and put me in the back of a sheriff's deputy vehicle for Hold on, hold on. Back the truck up. We got to start. We we just have to set it up because people don't even know that County boards of supervisors meet, school boards. They've heard about school boards now because there are people who are going in and speaking. But you are as a as a as a lawful citizen and even sometimes and even not, people are allowed to attend these meetings. These are government meetings, but our government is of the people, by the people, and for the people. And for that reason, people are invited to these meetings. And by law, at least in Wisconsin. In your state, you know the law. The law says you must be allowed to attend. But then you deal with idiots who don't know the law and they think that they're doing something. What? What did? So so we're going to back up. We're going to because the story is pretty spectacular. You went to the front door. The front door said, hey, if you're if you're the uh, supervisors, you're invited to go around to the back. And you thought, well, I'm invited to the meeting because I'm a citizen and I'm allowed to go to the meeting. And so you went around back and you nearly got past the guard there. Yes. um, Wisconsin has very strict open meetings laws. And when there is a noticed public meeting of any government body in any manifestation, the public must be allowed to attend. And our Kenosha county administration building had been locked. The public had been locked out of it since March 2020. And when I got to the, to the, I, I knew that they were meeting in there as they always do in the same room on the second and fourth Tuesday of the month. And there was a sign on the door that said due to COVID, the, the building was locked. I mean, citizens, taxpayers were locked out of our county administration building. And then there was a little tiny sign that said supervisors go around to the back to attend the meetings. And I thought, okay, I'm going around the back. So I went around the back and there were two sheriff's deputies. One was a captain and one was a regular deputy inside. And one of them, the captain, was a nice gentleman and he held the door open for me when I came in. And this was May 5th, uh, 2020, and we had had county board elections uh, April 7th, 2020. So there were a substantial number of new supervisors. That, that, and I walked in and he said, I'm sorry, you know, I don't know uh, all the supervisors um, yet. And I was like, yeah, okay, fine. And he said, who are you? And I said, I'm Mary Magdalene Moser. And, and I went to go uh, get on the elevator to go up to the meeting. And he said, well, are you a supervisor? And I said, no. And he said, well, you can't go into the meeting. It's uh, it's a closed meeting. And I said, see, well, see, that's it- where I would have said yes. And it wouldn't have been a lie because I was going to supervise <laughs> right, or look over super over and uh, vise. Watch the people who I'm paying. Yes, yeah. watch them. Right. Uh- <laughs> 
but you were like way because you're from Wisconsin. You're way too honest. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> and so you said no. And he said, well, well, hold on a minute. You're not allowed to go well, up there. And, and I had checked the county board website prior to going and they had the agenda listed and there was citizen comments was the, on the agenda. That is a, a legal agenda item where they have to listen to you. And at the county board meetings in Kenosha, they give you five minutes. And when, each you, person, when you're standing so each, at the podium, there's a giant video screen over to your right that has a huge clock like ticking down. So you know exactly how much time you have to speak. So I want and, people, I'm sorry, Mary Magdalene, the, the reason that, I, that I, I'm going to sort of stop and start this is because I want people to understand there are protocols which allow oh, yes. you to voice your opinion as a citizen of the United States and a member of whatever community you you happen to be a member of. And even if you're not a member of that community, you are still allowed to oh, yes. voice your comments. And so and they must put citizen comments into their meetings because that's the way the law is. That's how the whole system is designed. But in Wisconsin, yes, that and, is that is how it works. Right. And so in Wisconsin, you're allowed five minutes. But but this is this is something that is basically across the board in the United States. And it, it might differ slightly from state to state. But this is this is the True. way our government works. OK, because our government is of the people, by the people and for the people. And, and, so, and they so- do things to try to dissuade you. They do things to try to um, um, basically intimidate you like a great big clock saying you only have this much time left, right? They, they do those things because they don't want to hear from you because they're the supervisors and they've got all the power. No, they don't. Right. But- and and I, that's, that's another reason I'm so thankful that you had me on because I've been attending these meetings, whether it's the Kenosha Common Council or school board meetings or the Kenosha County Board for 30 years. And it is a real eye-opener when citizens actually attend and they find out just how strict the protocol is enforced. And you, the only time you get to speak as a citizen is during citizen comments. And just as you described, there's they, they differ in where they put the sign-up sheet. And if you don't sign up, and when you stand at that podium, you have to announce your legal name and your street address, which is another form of intimidation. Because now these meetings are all recorded and put on the internet for anybody to see. And people are afraid of that. You, you know, have you've to dox get yourself. That. That's yes. what she's saying. Yes. Is that now they're forcing people to, quote, dox themselves. Well, and, it yeah. didn't used to be a problem when the meetings yes. weren't recorded and only a handful of us, you know, people that were pissed off would go to well, these things I, I would put but now that the it world didn't used to be a you. problem when people were still civil but we've entered into a new phase where there are yeah. people here who don't believe in civility because they are they've gone over to the dark side and so they believe that violence is a, is an appropriate and that's being tolerated anything. not even just tolerated but almost encouraged encouraged uh to dogpile on people and say and but i implore people to this is the everybody says you should contact your your elected officials. And yes, they always say, we'll call them. I always tell people, don't call them because then they will lie and say, I never got a call or, you know, maybe I got one call or something. If you email them, at least in the state of Wisconsin, that becomes a matter of public record that can be uh, uh 
obtained by citizens during open records requests. So they can't lie and say that nobody contacted me because the school board does that all the time. You're the first person that ever complained about signing this document that says that if your child is killed or maimed due direct as a direct result of the negligence of our chaperones, you won't sue. That was an actual document here in Kenosha. And I called when my child was at in public high school. And I said, this is ridiculous. What kind of idiot are you going to get that's going to sign this? It says right here, as a direct result of the negligence of your chaperones, that I'm not going to sue. And this woman had the audacity to say to me, well, you're the first person who ever complained about this. And then I I, I was on the phone and I said, then why am I holding in my hand a an article from the Kenosha News saying that a woman who is a lawyer filed a lawsuit over this three years ago. If I'm the first person that ever complained about this, they will just lie to you. No, but and then people- they'll say, and then they'll say, you know, your five-year-old can't go on the trip, and he's going to be very upset. And what are you going to do when he cries? And I, my oh, answer to that my is, daughter I'm, I'm going to was- buy him a dinosaur. What are you going to do when I sue your butt off? <laughs> My daughter was on student council and this particular trip, number one was to Las Vegas. And I'm like, what kind of lunatic takes underage high school kids? And she was maybe 14 at that time to Las Vegas. And I mean, I liked the two people who were the chaperones and I had no uh, um, presupposition that they would do anything ridiculous. But just the, the nature of this document was so incendiary to me. I I thought, you have got to be kidding me that you think you're going to get people to sign this thing. Oh, and but but, let me ask you, Mary Magdalene, people signed it. Yes. Oops, I missed that. Sorry. People did sign it, right? People did. I refused to sign it. And they said, well, if you don't sign it, your child can't go, which, of course, you know, my child was upset with me. And but when they when they grow up, they appreciate it. It's no fun because my mom, when I was a kid, was like you and was uh, an education activist because she was a former public school teacher. And when I was in the fifth grade, you know, back when dinosaurs roamed the earth, um, my mom read they were combining. They were getting rid of geography and history and they were combining it to social studies. And my mom just for the heck of it said, I'm going to read this book. Well, she read it and my dad came home from work and she said, look at what this is saying. This is an absolute lie. This is not what happened during the revolution. And she read the entire book. And my dad said, well, if other parents knew this, they would object to this too. And we were in a Catholic school. So my mom called every single parent in my class, which was absolutely mortifying to me. And my parents had a pool party and invited all of the other parents to our house. And my mom had made an outline and she said, this is what this book says. We don't want our children learning this because it's lies. And the, all the parents went to the PTA meeting, which they don't even have those anymore because they couldn't care less what parents think. And they got the book removed and we still had history and geography. And then my mom got really involved in it. And she started realizing there was only three companies in the U.S. at the time that wrote the textbooks. And it was all just communist nonsense. And this was like I said, this was when I was in the fifth grade and I'm old. you know. So this is nothing new. 
What is that, like 45 years ago, something like that? It I was mean, in the late the 70s. Yeah, it was in the, it was in the 70s. Yeah, because well, like I said, seen, I'm 59. Yeah, we've seen this coming. It's it's not new, and we ought to have uh, awoken already. But back to your story about the the um, county board of supervisors meeting because I just it's it's so good. You got in the elevator to go up, and he got you. I tried. Yeah, I didn't even get into the it. elevator. Right. Yeah. He blocked. I didn't your even way. get into it. Okay. It was they they kept saying you could go to the sheriff's office and watch you know, the live stream. And, and I said, I don't want to watch it. I'm here to participate in it. And I had the safer at home order that was uh, what our governor had mandated that, you know, people stay home. But that's I also the governor had, who then went to Florida after she mandated that people stay home. Right? No, that's Michigan. That's, oh, uh, that's Gretchen Whitmer. Ours is, ours is the, what our, I have a yard sign that says worst governor Evers Cause his name is Tony Evers. And <laughs> Yeah, he's a lunatic and, a, and an absolute puppet. He is also a career government employee and was head of our Department of Public Instruction, DPI. He presided over the greatest decline in public school test scores in the history of our state. And this is the guy they trot out to be our governor. His yes. entire administration is made up of Obama former members of the Obama administration who are complete carpetbaggers, like the woman who was the head of our public health department. She's a lawyer. She's a lawyer who was in the Obama White House, Andrea Palm. And now she's got a job in the Biden administration because she delivered and got this idiot elected here. Okay. Okay. We're going to take a quick break and I will be right back with the second part of my interview with Mary Magdalene. We're going to talk about exactly what happened that got her arrested. So stay tuned. I'll be right back. This story caught my eye and I couldn't believe it. Government funded researchers sought aborted minorities for organ harvesting made me jump in my skin, but I didn't believe it. I was like, oh no, it's one of those weird uh, uh, clickbait articles. And yet it comes from the free beacon, which is a source that I, um, that I enjoy. Uh, and I have for a long time and I know them to be reputable. And so I uh, looked through this article and um, this is this is crazy. I'm going to go through it very quickly. Taxpayers shelled out nearly three million dollars to build an organ, quote, pipeline at the University of Pittsburgh. That's here in the United States. So, no, I'm not saying this is what they do in China because it is what they do in China, but they do it here, too. The federal government gave at least $2.7 million in taxpayer money to researchers who sought out minority babies who had been aborted in order to harvest their organs, according to internal documents released on Tuesday. The University of Pittsburgh targeted minorities in its request for infant organs, including those taken from full-term babies, to create a pipeline for fetal research. They said they needed 50% of the donated fetuses to be minorities and specified that 25% must come from black women. You know that there's like a, it's, I don't, I I can't say it's a movement, but it's, there's a, a a thing that I've heard about. Maybe I'm wrong, but this is what I've heard that um, black people are reluctant to remove the masks even if they've been vaccinated, or maybe they're reluctant to get the vaccines because of the Tuskegee experiment. The Tuskegee experiment was experimentation that was done on black 
men. Um, there was the syphilis experiment done on black men. I might be getting these things confused, but anyway, uh, there have been experiments in the past done on minority groups. Good, goodness knows we had plenty of scientific experiments, and I use that word loosely, done on the Jews and on the gypsies in the concentration camps in Nazi Germany, which is what gave us the Nuremberg Code, which tells us that we can't conduct experiments on unwitting people, that they need to be fully apprised that it's an experiment. And yet here we are. Well, I suppose aborted fetuses are not people, right? I mean, that's the argument, even though they now say that they're absolutely human beings. Um, I, I find this so distasteful. Aborted babies used in this research. And by the way, it's, it's the National Institutes of Health has overseen experiments on fetal organs at the University of Pittsburgh since 2015 in what the school claimed to be a tissue hub. Aborted babies used in this research ranged from six to 42 weeks of gestation, according to government documents. Six to 42 weeks of gestation. Isn't, uh, isn't 40 weeks the, yeah, sir. the fetal research focused on harvested kidneys? The NIH refused to respond when requested for comments. Um, there is um, evidence that the shots that they are giving people uh, used aborted fetal uh, remains in either both the, in either the research and or the manufacturing of the shots that they are giving people. Um, why minority? Why? Like, I get, I, I get that that's part of the clickbait. Like, they wanted minorities. I mean, but it is of interest. Like, why did they insist on minorities? Um, researchers stressed the importance of maintaining organ blood flow in the request, which watchdogs say could violate federal law by asking doctors to illegally preserve organs during labor-inducing abortions. Boy, it just gets better and better, doesn't it? Okay, there's hope on the horizon, and I want to share this with you guys. Um, I just heard about a group that has formed basically out of Hollywood, um, a number of Hollywood uh, animators, illustrators, uh, people that work behind the scenes who are Christian have gotten fed up and have decided to basically branch out on their own and do wholesome content instead of they saw what was coming down the, the Hollywood pipeline. It's a, it's a pipeline different than the aborted fetus pipeline or baby part organ uh, pipeline, but it's a pipeline nonetheless. And they saw what was coming and they said, uh, I can't participate in that. And that's always, that's, that's always a difficult call to make. Um, more difficult for some than for others, I would say. Uh, but that's all I'll say about it. So uh, that's exciting. They're actually working, um, in fact, to, to uh, enlighten people about abortion. And I have to say, I appreciate the free beacon for bringing this, um, this article and this issue to our attention. Uh, we ought to be paying more attention to this. As I argue in the movie that I participated in, Leaders for Life, you can't save a nation if the nation is intent on killing itself. That's basically, we got to wake the nation up and say, stop killing yourselves, because that's what we're doing. 
Welcome to the Sam Sorbo Show. Are you tired of all the wokeness that's out there? You are not alone. We're going to talk about that. Uh, Victor Davis Hanson, who's a favorite author of mine, and I've had him on the show, has written this um, on it's it's up on TribuneContentAgency.com. I'm, I'm not sure how that came about, but he wrote an article called What is American Wokeness Really About? And he just sort of pulls the, the covers off the whole thing. And here's the thing. We know that this is what's happening. We see the hypocrisy, the abject hypocrisy, and yet somehow we seem to feel incapable of pointing it out or or maybe not incapable, but fear at pointing it out. So we'll start with Megan Rapino. I mean, how many of us actually rooted against the women's soccer team? Because of one person, by the way. Now, she had teammates. Some of them were on board with her brand of politicking. Some were not. But after so much politicking, people literally just turned the channel. Um, he says here, most Americans were as indifferent to the U.S. women's soccer team's recent loss to Sweden in the Olympics as they were excited about the team's World Cup in 2019, which actually is probably true. I don't know that many people who were that excited, but they... But they, but there probably were a ton who were excited, and and now I know that there are a ton who are like, Mm-mm, change the channel. I'm not watching that, right? And uh, it's too bad because it's this one individual who rep. And and there are probably many people out there who are like, yeah, you go, girl, you take the knee. This is a terrible country, and the rest of us are sitting there going, you know what? Then leave. You won't leave because there isn't a better country. And the way to improve the country is not to tear it down. But that seems to be the modus operandi for, uh, for these people. Um, he writes that Megan Rapino seems to be going the way of Greta Thunberg. Uh, we can only hope. I haven't heard from her in a while. And then he talks about Black Lives Matter's uh, co-founder, Patrice Marie Concoulors Brignac. I don't like... How patriarchal is her? Is that for her to have one, two, three, four last names? Like what's? I don't. Anyway, she used all of that corporate grifting that she that she got away with to buy four homes, four, four homes, four homes. Okay, and her most recent acquisition in Tequesta, in uh, not in Topanga Canyon, has a thirty-five thousand dollar security fence. Black Lives Matter. And then there's the critical race theory guru, Ibram X. Kendi. He's offering virtual one-hour workshops, $20,000 a pop. He's franchising this re-education into wokedom in between the bouts of damning capitalism as a, cataclyst, as, a, as a catalyst of racism. So capitalism is bad, but he's practicing capitalism can can we can we at least see this hypocrisy? Major League Baseball's recent All Star Game saw record low television viewership. About a quarter of the audience of forty years ago, a quarter of the audience of forty years ago, when there were one hundred million fewer Americans. Now I I've never been into baseball, but I absolutely won't watch it now. Not interested. I'm not even watching. I haven't watched any of the Olympics. I basically, I just refuse. The only thing that I've, that I'm paying attention to is the defection, which I will cover in uh, another segment. 
And so VDH writes that Americans are worn out from elite virtue signaling and woke performance art from critical race theory capitalists, multimillionaire CEOs, revolving door Pentagon, Pentagon brass. I mean, he talks a little bit about Fauci too, the Malibu celebrities and the, and the credentialed elite, right? We're, we're sick. He calls it projectionist hypocrisy. Those who scream the loudest are usually the most guilty of woke crimes. Isn't that the truth? And then he talks a little bit about the border. How hypocritical is the border? We have a government that is now threatening to go door to door to double check that you've had your vaccine. But, and by the way, it seems to wholeheartedly support a vaccine card. Okay. But not an ID to vote. I'm sorry. Like I'm, I'm totally like my head is exploding with this stuff. It's, it's so infuriating. It's so tremendously infuriating. Um, Migrants are barging into the country, right? Carrying COVID-19, carrying all kinds of disease. We don't even know what diseases they're carrying. And this administration is just sort of shooing them out into the public, transporting them even. And the government at the same time is talking about the coronavirus spike. Which I also tend to disbelieve. I'm sorry. I've reached the point of just abject disbelief. Basically, I don't believe any of the I just I'm really struggling to believe any of this stuff because it's it just is beyond the pale. And there's another piece that I'm going to get to uh, by Daniel Greenfield, which is amazing. Um, he says, uh, he says, uh, and, and it's true, America hasn't seen this kind of um, inflation, which the government is saying, no, that's not inflation. That's your lion eyes. I'm watching the price of gas just skyrocket over here. Um, we haven't seen these price hikes, these labor shortages in the last 40 years. And they're just going, well, boop a doop a doop a doo. Everything's fine. Don't worry. The CIA and FBI, come on. The military even. We, they, we have no confidence in them anymore. Look what they've been doing. And now, they've, now they're launching the, up on Capitol Hill, they're launching this uh, January 6th investigation. And cops are dropping like flies from suicide. Are you kidding me? Have we had enough yet? Have we had enough yet? He writes this, wokeness is many things, but increasingly it does seem a cover for careerism, profiteering, and utter incompetence. Have you had enough yet? Have you had enough yet? The independent investigation of Andrew Cuomo has concluded to say that he did absolutely sexually harass Several women who were either employed at the time by the state or not employed by the state of New York. So he's an equal opportunity sexual harasser. Isn't that precious? And so now the question is, are Democrats going to do anything about it? Or will this be more woke hypocrisy? That's the question. Because... He needs to be impeached immediately. And at the same time, they could go about uh, uh, 
finding, discovering, revealing that he single-handedly presided over the worst management of the coronavirus and the deaths of, uh, at this point, thousands of elderly because of his decisions, his decrees, his mandates. By the way, where is the outrage over the sexual harassment? Where is it? I'm, I'm very curious. <laughs> I'm not. I'm, I'm fed up. Okay, moving on. Um, this, uh, this article by Daniel Greenfield entitled, It Doesn't Take Censorship to Fight a Pandemic. This, this was really quite uh, interesting to me. I, I, I like the idea that we shouldn't be having censorship at all, obviously, but he, he sort of turns it on its heels because what, his, what he's saying is they're saying we need the censorship because we're in a pandemic. We can't allow this, quote, medical misinformation to go out there, even though now some of that medical misinformation, and I'm using air quotes for those of you on radio, some of that medical misinformation has proven to be true. And so he writes um, that we actually need this robust debate in order to adequately settle for people and that the lack of the debate is causing the lack of the tolerance of the debate is actually causing skepticism. And I'm, I'm thinking, yep, me, sign me up. I'm, this is causing my skepticism when, when YouTube takes down one of my shows because they don't like what the doctor has to say. He's a doctor with a ton of degrees, a ton of alphabet soup after his name. And YouTube takes it down because YouTube knows more about medicine than this highly accredited doctor. All of a sudden, his knowledge is, uh, well, it's not persona non grata. It's knowledge non grata. (laughs) It's not allowed. You have the wrong knowledge. You can only have the right knowledge anymore. And, uh, And so Greenfield goes back and talks about polio. He starts like this. After Biden's spokeswoman boasted that the administration was ordering Facebook to censor some people's speech, she boasted it. And then Fauci joined the campaign. He appeared on CNN, which luckily nobody watches anymore, to warn about the dangers of letting anyone say whatever they think. How dare they say whatever you think? Absolutely not. He he said, quote, we probably would still have polio in this country if we had the kind of false information that's being spread now. That was a false claim. He's spreading false information. I get very emotional about lies and liars. I, I, it's, oh, it's so aggravating. Okay. And so, so Greenfield writes, Fauci, as usual, is wrong. The polio vaccine was the subject of numerous controversies which pay, played out in public at the time. Played out in public at the time, concurrent with the polio problem that people were experiencing. In fact, there was a headline that admonished people not to get the polio vaccine and, and said, little white coffins. And, and declared that, that only God will know how many thousands of little children and little white coffins will be needed to bury the victims of Salk's 
heinous, fraudulent vaccine, end quote. And yet, Fauci fantasizes that there was no public debate. The government just moved in. The government always does everything right. And the government gave people a vaccine which only saved people's lives and didn't cause any kind of damage whatsoever. Contrary to Fauci's fantasies, he writes, aided and abetted by a a media that's eager to find a pretext for censoring any open marketplace of ideas. Why? Why are they so eager to censor people? Because they want to censor the truth because they believe the lie. And the truth challenges the lie. He says the 50s were not a totalitarian dystopia in which free speech did not exist. No, no. No, no, there was a healthy, robust debate, especially about the polio vaccines. There were two kinds. There was the inert and there was the live. And Americans not only survived a vigorous public debate over the polio vaccine, but they managed to stop polio because the debate over the vaccine between advocates and opponents, between scientists, played out in public and created a sense of transparency and trust. That didn't mean that people didn't have disagreements with each other. That didn't mean that people weren't making choices based on their own experiences and their own knowledge. He writes, the existence of a vigorous public debate proved vital when batches of the polio vaccine from one manufacturer not only proved lethal, but infected children with polio and paralyzed some of them. The initial response by many in the scientific community and among corporate leaders was a cover-up. Instead, the Eisenhower administration chose to be transparent, even though it led to a smear campaign by, who led the smear campaign? Oh, yeah, those pesky lying Democrats. Eisenhower chose the truth because he understood that the government is by decree of the people. And he knew he needed to level with the people because he was conservative, Republican. And so he chose to level with them. Instead of acting as if there was nothing wrong, he admitted that the government had failed in this one part of the whole situation, right? That's obviously incomprehensible today. Now we have Cuomo, who was just uh, confirmed. The the investigation concluded that he had sexually harassed several women. Will he ever admit that he did anything wrong? Your guess is as good as mine, probably. There were catastrophic failures with the vaccine back then, including a vaccine manufacturer who infected 40,000 children with polio, paralyzed 51 children, and killed five. And all I want to have answered is why hydroxychloroquine is now dangerous when it was not dangerous for 60-plus years. That's all I want to have answered right now. I just go back to that. Just answer me that one thing. I'm so, I'm so fed up. All right, moving on. This is the Sam Sorbo Show. There's a Belarusian sprinter 
who has now defected. And she is currently in Poland. She was warned not to return to Belarus, she says, by her grandmother. And the reason for this is apparently, well, they, they are saying, we think they're saying, that she, that she voiced some kind of negative opinion about the government of Belarus. Now, there's a lot of opposition uh, to the current government in uh, that nation. And so she was there um, at the Olympics, and they asked her to run in the four by, was it the four by 400, I'm going to say. Um, they asked her to run in it uh, at the last minute which was not in, and well, the last, you know, with, within 24 hours and, and that's not the, the race that she had prepared for. And so she was, um, disheart, dis, discouraged. Nah, well, you know, you put upon, let's say. And so she was, she was uh, somewhat critical about that. And then they, then they came to her and they said, okay, you know what, we're, we're just going to ship you back home. Here's your plane ticket. Uh, we will get you to the airport and then uh, you're just going to go back home now. And on the way to the airport, I mean, this is like the stuff of, uh, you know, uh, movies, right? On the way to the airport, she fielded a call from her grandmother. And apparently her grandmother just said to her, uh, please don't come home. She said, literally, I had some 10 seconds. She called me. All that she told me was, please do not come back to Belarus. It's not safe. And she hung up. Well, uh, she also said that she, she said, are you, are you sure or something? And the grandmother said, absolutely, and hung up. She said, I would want to return to Belarus. I love my country. I did not betray it. I hope that I'll be able to return. But uh, when she got to the airport, she sought asylum with the Japanese police. They apparently were very kind to her. And then they and then they transported her to the Polish embassy. And Poland has been very critical of the government in Belarus. So I think she's kind of blown her chances unless the government in Belarus changes, at least for the time being, of going back there. But apparently her husband was also issued some kind of asylum uh, visa to go to Poland. And uh, I believe that he has rejoined her there. She said, I've always been far from politics. I didn't sign any letters or go to any protests. I didn't say anything against the Belarusian government. She said, I'm a sportsman, sports person, and I didn't understand anything in political life. I try not to do anything other than a sport in my life, and I try my best to not be distracted by politics. It may sound cruel because of all the terrible things that happened in Belarus last summer, but I was trying to keep away from it. But all I have wanted to do, wanted is to go to the Olympics and do my best. I wanted to be in the final and compete for medals. Nope. Uh, so she's 24. She'll still be running. This is very sad. Um, I think it's sad that. I guess I think it's sad that. Um, that we in the United States, like I want to highlight this story because you have to understand yeah, we're persecuted in the United States for having differing opinions, but we're not nearly as bad as other countries. And we need to get back to what we used to be, which was a free society with freedom of speech. And maybe by highlighting stories like this, uh, 
we we can inspire people to fight for the United States that was uh, the Make America Great Again. Instead of America was never that great, as Cuomo tells us, the the serial oh, accoster of women. Geesh, I, I you can't make this stuff up. This is the Sam Sorbo Show.